the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. and We get the privilege of starting a brand new week together here on The Word to Stand On for Life, a radio show dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions and life questions and pretty much anything that you've got on your heart. I'll do the best that I can. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can also email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can also use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app if you are driving in your car. The safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. There'll be a banner that says call now and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number one more time is 340-9585. We've got a lot going on. It's Monday, so that means we have our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. Ladies, tonight Lauren Blanton will be sharing her heart. Um, This is a a testimony I promise you're going to want to hear. They've been at our church for a couple of years and I've seen God really grab a hold of her and her husband, Matt's heart, um, with regard to this ministry of giving free stuff. And boy, their faith is growing so much. And uh, I'm anxious to see what Lauren is going to share tonight. That's 7 o'clock. If you can't get here, you can watch it live stream at calvaryessay.com. The only problem with that is you miss out on the Q&A session, which Paula says sometimes is really, really deep. So... um, Tonight, 7 o'clock, come and be with us if you can. Uh, Pastor Ken will be teaching the men. Our high school and junior high school youth will be uh, meeting as well. That means you can bring the whole family and make it a night with Jesus in the Word of God. Um, I hope you had a great day in church um, yesterday. We did, and, um, and we were just packed yesterday. I don't know what it was. We were absolutely packed yesterday. Uh, people got saved. It was a, a, a difficult message, but it was, uh, you know, that's what God does. Jesus is, we're in Luke chapter 16. We're going on to the cross, and uh, it's supposed to get serious when we do that. So hope you had a great day in church. Hope people got saved where you are as well. Everyone that gets saved is one closer to Jesus coming back for his church. Uh, this Friday, uh, or last Friday, rather, we got to ordain Pastor Ellis Goins. He's going to start our new Bible, uh, our new church uh, on the far northwest side in the Alamo Ranch area. Uh, this coming Sunday, August the 4th, will be uh, his first meeting Sunday. Uh, I'm going to try to have Ellis on the program on Friday. We're trying to schedule that now. Uh, just so you can hear his heart, for those of you on the far northwest side, uh, I commend him with all of my heart. You'll love him. Uh, we also on Sunday have our Corporate baptism Sunday after our third service. We drive out to Spring Branch. Uh, it's a great time if anybody in the audience wants to come out and share 
our joy. Maybe you want to get baptized. Uh, come on out to introduce yourself, and we'll we'll uh, be happy to do that. One other piece of business. This has been the week we started. It's been a noisy day around here because this was our Calvary Kids Bible School. That's our version of uh, Vacation Bible School. Uh, I was told that we had over 200 kids show up today. So that's just awesome. And uh, pray that the rest of the week goes just as well. Uh, at the end of the week, these kids really come forward to, to know Jesus Christ. Lots going on. Let's go to a phone call. We've got uh, an anonymous call on line one from San Antonio. You're on the air. Thank you for calling. Uh, yes, sir. I have a couple questions to ask you. Okay. I'd like to know in detail, you know, what exactly what hell is like and what heaven is like. If I have a better understanding of those two issues, I think it would... I think it would inspire me to try to be more of a better Christian. I get off the phone, I listen to you on the radio. Okay, I'll do the best I can, Anonymous. Thank you very, very much. It's a good question to ask, especially uh, if the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart. Um, You know, the truth is we don't have a lot of information about what heaven or hell is like. It's certainly not like it's pictured uh, in movies or in 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 most pieces of literature, there's a great uh, book, Dante's Inferno, uh, that gives you a, a very vivid interpretation, one person's interpretation of hell. Um, but but all we know uh, is what the Bible tells us. All we know for sure is what the Bible tells us. Hell is separation from God. It's it's total darkness, and I don't mean black. Uh, but but I mean, it, it, it's just the complete darkness of being completely given over um, away from God with no covering by God. Uh, Jesus says it's painful. Uh, Luke chapter 16, uh, the, the rich man says, I'm in torment in this fire. I don't believe it's a literal fire anonymous, but it's a place where Jesus said there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Uh, the worm doesn't die, meaning it is an eternal punishment and what we're going to do is we're going to find out just how dark, how black separation from God really is. And that's what hell is, separation from God. On the other hand, uh, heaven is being with Jesus. That's what it is. One is, is separation from Jesus. The other is being with Jesus. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In heaven, there'll be no sorrow, no pain, uh, we will be discovering the mysteries of the universe every single day as, as you know, heaven is without time, so I use day euphemistically. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting answers to questions. We'll be seeing the never-ending glory of God. We'll see the majesty of God's creation. Um, I, all I know is we'll be learning, we'll be serving. I don't know what form it takes, because that's not what we're told. We will not be floating around on clouds listening to to angels play harps. Uh, But in the presence of God, we will be in the absolute presence of perfection, of beauty, no more pain, no more weeping. weeping. Um, uh, uh, Everything that happened on earth will make sense to us. Uh, We'll lose all memory of anything bad. There'll be nothing impure in heaven. It'll be just perfect, whatever it is. But there are no words to describe it. You know, when the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, he saw visions he couldn't understand. When Paul went to heaven, he said he saw indescribable things, things that man's not permitted to tell. So this is one of those things, Anonymous, where we've got to be um, by faith, we've got to believe the promises of God. So hell is separation from God. It is painful. It is eternal. Uh, it is worse than we can imagine. Heaven is being with God, and it is better than we can possibly imagine. Now, before we go to the next call, let me just say this to you, Anonymous. Um, it always causes me a bit of angst when somebody says, I want to be a better Christian. The truth is we can't be better Christians. In our flesh is nothing good. Your flesh, my flesh, it's the same flesh. It all stinks. 
So the only way that we can fulfill our destiny, that we can walk in the grace of God every day, that we can fulfill the plan he has for us, is to be with him. And Anonymous, I'm just telling you what it's taken me a bunch of years to learn. That when I'm with Jesus, I make the right choices, I do the right things, and my life is full and rich and passionate. When I'm not with Jesus, and by that I mean I push him aside for other things in my life, when I give in to the desires of my flesh, there's nothing but pain and chaos. And not just pain personally, but I cause other people pain as well. My life before Christ proved that. So to be a better Christian, you just have to be with Jesus. You know, if I'm with Jesus, I'm not going to use ugly language. I'm not going to judge people. I'm not going to gossip about people. I'm certainly not going to drink or get high. I'm not going to have sex with people I'm not married with. I'm going to be with Jesus. And what I've learned in my 28 years of walking with Jesus is that every day with Jesus is spectacular. Not easy, but every day is filled with joy. Every day. We have great hope. Let me ask you, prayerfully consider, just hang out with Jesus. Talk to him. He's there. He loves you. He died for you. He proved he loved you. The Bible says to get to heaven, you must be born again. What that means is that you give your life to him. You ask for forgiveness of your sins. You acknowledge that apart from him, you're going to keep sinning. And then just say, Jesus, help me. Come into my heart. You take over. And you're going to find out what heaven is all about. One other comment, Anonymous. As great as heaven is, and as wonderful a a, a goal as it is for all of us, the kingdom of God begins here on earth. And Jesus lets us live lives that have purpose and meaning, direction. Our hearts are filled with hope. And what life is here on earth is sort of a dress rehearsal for heaven. You'll be with Jesus every day. And then when you're with him in heaven, you'll know exactly what's going on. Thank you for the call. I'll be praying for you. Your voice had just a little pain in my heart when, when you started talking anonymous. Let's go to Felipe on line two. Felipe, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hey, hello, Pastor Ron. Good afternoon. Hi, Felipe. Uh, I just thought, I just wanted to uh, expound a little bit on the uh, ordination service. And first off, before I get to that, I was thinking the same thing when the caller had called just a while ago. Uh, Ellis actually had talked about that during his ordination service uh, out of John 15, uh, talking about if you abide in, if you abide in me and uh, I abide in you, we'll bear, you'll bear much fruit. But that mm-hmm. for without me, you can do nothing. And that's absolutely true. In our in our own power, we will always fail and we'll never never measure up. But it's not for us; it's for him. It's for him to bear. So. I just wanted to say it was such a beautiful service the other day. Uh, every ordination is special, of course, but for me this was extra special because the man that got ordained was the person that led me to the Lord. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to say that uh, please pray for us over on the northwest side for Calvary Chapel Northwest. Uh, we covet your prayers. We're going to need it. Um and, and it's just an honor and a blessing to be used by the Lord. All of us, all of us there, he uses the inadequate and the weak to shame, you know, what we see here in the world as the strong. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I've never thought that I would be in a position to even do anything good for the Lord, but that was my worldly perspective. So now I see things within him, I'm perfected. So I just wanted to, to thank you. It's been an honor to be under your tutelage for, for so many years. And, and, and we're going to miss you guys, but God has something greater. It's bittersweet. We won't, we won't be there as often anymore. Hopefully we could visit every so often. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to petition Ellis to work on his Winnie the Pooh voice. 
so he can uh, <laughs> he can have a, a piece of you pass her on. But uh, it, it, it's just been. It, go ahead. I was going to say, Felipe, you're going to be you're one of the ones who's a traitor. You're going to ditch me for 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 the Northwest Church. Oh, you, you'll always have a special place in our hearts, Pastor <laughs> Ron. Uh, and, that, and that's why, actually, you will be doing our vow renewal, ser- vow renewal service in a few weeks. We love you so much. Well, God bless you. Uh, hey, do me a favor, if, if you can, uh, uh, tell Pastor Ellis that Sam is trying to get a hold of him to arrange a, a day this week where he can do the radio show. Okay, okay, I will, I will call him. Uh, I did cool. want to say, though, it's a little early, but everybody, uh, all the men, pray about the retreat. We have our retreat coming up. I believe it's September 19th to the 21st. That's right. Uh, it's changed my life. I got I got saved at the retreat 9-11-09. That was my birthday. And since <laughs> then, uh, uh, a lot of people that, that I know have gotten saved. And Pastor Ron, I have another friend coming this year. So hopefully if schedule works Good. out you'll be coming a new friend. So uh, praise the Lord. Thank you. Uh, love you. And I'll be continue to listen to your radio show. Um, <laughs> as I get out of work, but uh, thank you. Y'all have a great thank day. Thank you. Thanks Felipe. God bless. You know, uh, the dynamic of starting a new church. Um, it's, it's always hard. It's always hard. You know, you're not a full church. You don't, you don't have all of the things that, a, a, a church that's been going for for a long time has, but there's it's such a, an exciting time. It's an adventure. Um, I, I like starting new things, and and uh, if I had my way, if the Lord was letting me make decisions, I would be um, um, I'd be starting new churches every two or three years. I mean, that's I, I just love it. Uh, I love where I am. I love what I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere, but. Um, if you are on the Northwest side, um, you get a chance to be involved in something from the ground floor from the very beginning. And um, it's, it's wonderful to be a part of something like that, to be one of the men or women that God chooses to be sort of a builder, laying the foundation that he's going to build upon. And I've told Pastor Ellis that I think the church on the Northwest side, not that big is success. I don't want to be misunderstood here. But I think it is going to be the biggest church uh, of all the Calvary chapels in Texas. Uh, it is the area of town, the Alamo Ranch area, where, where the city is growing unbelievably quickly. The uh, property values are high. People are moving in. They're building schools and, and, and high schools um, uh, as quickly as they can possibly do it. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a, an area of town that's underserved by the church. There's just a lack of faithful Bible teaching churches. And not only is Pastor Ellis a good teacher, uh, his heart is even better, his wife killing. Uh, so uh, this Sunday, August 4th, I told you yesterday, we were absolutely packed here. And uh, we're sending probably 50 people uh, from our church out there with him to get started in this. In this, and so we're going to have a little bit of room. We can have people come come to church and fit in. Actually, now, so uh, keep them in your prayers. And uh, and if you are out in the area, uh, when uh, Ellis is on the radio program later, we'll give you uh, details, meeting times, and location. Thanks, Felipe. I appreciate the call, and I say amen to his uh, comments about the men's retreat coming up. It is a good one. Uh, 340-9585. Here's a question from Scott from our email inbox. Uh, Pastor Ron, would you clarify Luke 16, verse 8, as it relates to the part of verse that says, then are the people of the light. Would you also clarify verse 9? Well, Scott was obviously here yesterday in our Bible study uh, because that's the passage of Scripture Excuse me, that's the passage of Scripture that uh, we dealt with yesterday uh, in our Bible study. Uh, Luke 16 is one of those parables that uh, gives people a lot of problems. It appears like Jesus is commending the dishonesty of the, the, the bad steward uh, by commending him because he acted shrewdly or wisely. I like to use the term cleverly. And... Um, um, when it says the master, this is a parable. Jesus is not the master. He's just telling a story to make a point. 
He says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And here's the explanation for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. Um, What he means there is that this was a guy who made dishonest decisions. He was going to lose his job. And the choices that he made were choices that he thought would help him prepare for his future. I know what I'll do. I'll cut this guy's bill in half. I'll cut some off this guy's bill. Then they'll have to take me into their home when I have no place else to go. He said, I'm, I'm too weak to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. I told the church yesterday, it's amazing. He was ashamed to beg, but not ashamed to steal. And then what Jesus says in the parable is that at least people in the world are concerned about their future. Now, the people of the light are people of the kingdom of God. We would say this is speaking to believers. And we're not as concerned about our future as we ought to be. No, somebody in the world will make plans and save money and and cut corners and do whatever they have to to kind of get ahead in life. We who are going to be with Jesus, we need to take care of our future, plan for our future by being faithful servants of God here. And that's what verse 9 is saying. He's telling us, telling, speaking directly to his disciples, that we're to use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And that's a reference to the uh, rewards that we're going to have in heaven. Imagine what it will be like to go to heaven And because you're concerned about your future, you're sharing the gospel, you're being faithful with the assets that God has given you. Imagine going to heaven and running into somebody that you've never seen before, but because we'll know everything in heaven, we'll understand that there's somebody that's in heaven because I took the time to share Jesus with them. Or there's somebody in heaven, maybe it's your children that are in heaven because they saw that you really love Jesus and and, and that your, your, your passion for him was genuine. And so when they had a choice to make about following Jesus, it was an easy thing to do, to say, well, I'm going to follow Jesus because mom's Jesus or dad's Jesus was real and I know he loves me. So that's what he's saying. Use our earthly assets, not just money. That's the point of this parable, but all of our assets. We have the asset of of love. Um, Romans 5.5 says, God's love poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need to be men and women who are loving. Use the money that we have for God's glory. Realizing that not 10% of it belongs to him, but all of it belongs to him. And we only have to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money? I want to be a good steward. The, the gifts God has given us, the natural talents that you have, those are assets given to us by God. And if we use those assets for his glory, then we're building up rewards in heaven And on that day, Jesus will say, Welcome, you good and faithful servant. Scott, thank you. I'm glad for the opportunity to have clarified that. Let's go now to Omar calling in San Antonio. Omar, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Um, I I called uh, maybe about a month and a half ago, a couple months ago, and um, I had uh, asked you, uh, or, or not really asked you, just told you what I had learned about divorce and remarriage. And I did the study. I looked up the two schools that you had talked about in the Jewish, uh, uh, the Hillel and the Shemai. I forget the two schools that mm-hmm. either one, both of them gave excuses to be able to divorce your wife. One for was for adultery. The other one was just for anything. And what I did learn um, was that Jesus uh, didn't agree with both of those because I'm still convinced that Jesus has no excuse for divorce. Otherwise, we would look just like the world concerning divorce and remarriage and moving on. Now, I did leave my first wife alone, like you had said, and I'd not been leaving her alone. I just told her what I had learned, and I'd rather the Holy Spirit touch her heart. And like I said, um uh, Romans 7 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7 both say the same thing, which was Jesus' teaching. Um, And I believe the confusion people are getting in Matthew 19 is that Jesus gave an excuse for divorce, and he was only talking about the Jewish betrothal period that you could divorce from your fiancé 
if she's unfaithful because that's the way Jewish engagement worked. They considered their, themselves husband and wife, like Joseph and Mary. Um, and and anyway, um, I'll go ahead and uh, let you let you speak. And uh, but I'll go ahead and hang up. I got to go take some groceries inside. So, okay. Um, hope you hope you listen to my answer, Omar. Thank you very very much. Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, and, and uh, you can go to our website, calvarysa.com. I did an extensive teaching on marriage and divorce. And Omar, your, your heart is right. Um, um, God hates divorce. Um, um, he is will, perfect will would always be that we would reconcile. But it's not always possible. And I'm going to read this, and it's as clear as you can be. And this is Jesus speaking in Matthew Chapter 19, verse 9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, marries another woman, commits adultery. Hold on to, we'll, we, the music's coming, we're coming up to heartbreak, I'll deal with this on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh, 340-9585, we'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I'm addressing uh, Omar's question who, he says through study, he is convinced that there is absolutely no grounds at all for divorce. And Omar, what I would ask you to do, I mentioned it before the break, but we were in a hurry. Um, go to my teaching in Matthew chapter 19, um, um, calvarysa.com, our whole library is there. Uh, and I do a very, very detailed explanation. I think it took me two weeks um, to do it. But here's what we need to understand. Jesus said that in the case of marital unfaithfulness, then we're free to divorce. If Jesus gives us freedom to divorce, well, why would anybody suggest that we don't have the freedom to do that? Paul adds, if the unbeliever leaves, let him, let her leave. In other words, God wants us to be free to serve him. So biblically, there are two things where we're given the freedom to leave. I'm going to add another one in a moment. Biblically, we're free to divorce if our spouse commits adultery. If they cheat on us, they've broken the marriage covenant, and we are free to divorce. Now, that doesn't mean we have to. And I've uh, got a lot of marriages, thank the Lord, in this church, uh, who have come back way, way, way stronger uh, once they reconciled and are grateful to this day that they didn't divorce. Um, So that's one. Abandonment is another. That's from 1 Corinthians. And then the third, and I'm going to add this because this isn't something that Jesus would have had to talk about in the Jewish culture in his time. Uh, in, in, when, when somebody's being physically abused, God called us to live in peace. And so I, I know you hate divorce. God hates divorce, Omar. That's his heart. Uh, at the same time, um, to expect that a woman, uh, the weaker vessel physically, uh, is, is bound to marriage, uh, to a man who is beating her, abusing her, and misrepresenting God, and, and who could eventually very possibly kill her uh, because of the abuse. Um, that is to miss the heart of God completely. So you can be bound by the legalism if you, if you want to, but you don't need to. You don't need to. God gives us the freedom to divorce in these instances, and I think that we, we have the choice. You know, Omar, one of the things that's happened in uh, over and over in these situations when when adultery has been committed. Um, um, I've seen one woman or one man be told by the Lord, um, no, don't divorce. Stay with them. My wife, while the issue wasn't adultery, um, um, God told her to stay with me. On the other hand, I've seen instances where somebody cheated and they weren't at all repentant. And God said to the, to the man or to the wife who was the victim, 
um, divorce him. Why? Because God knows the future. That's why we need to take these things not only uh, into the word, but we need to take them into prayer to get the counsel of God. God knows the future and we don't. God knows if somebody's going to be repentant, if they're going to come back to him, uh, if they're really going to be sorry for what they've done, and if they're going to change. But to insist that there's no grounds for divorce when somebody continues to commit adultery, somebody continues to beat or abuse a woman, um, that's missing the heart of God completely. So um, go to Matthew 19, calvaryessay.com. And uh, let the Holy Spirit sort of speak to you through that study. Appreciate it. The call very, very much, Omar. Go to a question sent in from Mike. Uh, He says, Pastor Ron, do you have areas of disagreement with N.T. Wright? I've been encouraged by his books and videos on YouTube. Uh, Mike, yeah, I do have some some large areas of disagreement with N.T. Wright. I think he's entertaining He's really, really smart. Uh, he is um, an Episcopal priest. Um, the, the, the large problem with the Episcopal Church is that they've thrown away the Word of God, and N.T. Wright is one of those people. Uh, he's certainly not as um, off the charts as a lot of his Episcopal uh, comrades. But the biggest area I have, or biggest problem I have with N.T. Wright is that he has developed a view of the atonement that's simply not biblical. The substitutionary, the penal substitutionary atonement, PSA. Um, he, he doesn't believe that Jesus took the punishment that we deserve because he doesn't believe God is a punishing God. Isaiah 53 says that that the punishment that brought us peace was placed upon him. If Jesus didn't take my place on the cross, how are my sins ever judged by God? And God is a God of holiness and judgment, justice rather. So my sins have to have been judged. That happened at Jesus. That's why he tells us to remember him until he comes at his table. This is my body broken for you. That was the punishment, the wrath of God that was poured out on him. And Mike, I believe, and I'm not questioning N.T. Wright's salvation, that's not my job, but I believe that the penal substitutionary atonement of God, him taking our place on the cross, is an essential of our faith. Otherwise, our sins go unpunished. If we believe a God who doesn't punish sin is really God, then we have a God who isn't just. God loved me so much that he climbed on that cross to take my place. He couldn't bear to see me beaten. Couldn't bear to see me suffer the wrath of God. So he did it for me. So that's the primary area of disagreement. And it is a big one with N.T. Wright. And I believe that's a heretical view of the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's a question from Dylan. I knew I was going to get this question eventually. Pastor Ron, I read that Josh Harris is getting a divorce. He was a pastor, and divorce is not acceptable, right? Um, Dylan, yeah, divorce is not acceptable. And uh, he was a pastor, but he no longer is. Now, a couple of things for those of you in the audience who may not know. Josh Harris was famous as a youth pastor um, uh, for a book that he wrote, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And he came up with this whole legalistic view of dating, that dating is unhealthy, Christians shouldn't do it, and that we should court sort of an old-fashioned way uh, of getting into a relationship. Well, um, Dylan Josh is also, uh, was also, let me say, uh, a five-point Calvinist. Uh, one of the neo-Calvinists, he pastored a large church, um, and he posted... Um, that he and his wife were separating. He didn't use the word divorce, although that's where it's going. His wife is is a believer. Uh, and a couple of days later, I think just uh, this morning, in fact, uh, he posted, uh, somebody actually sent this to me, Dylan. Uh, he posted that, that he has also left the faith. He said, I believe things that are incompatible with being a Christian. Um, um, I fully embrace 
homosexuality, gay and lesbian um, experience. Uh, if, if, if Christians say that that's a disqualifier, then I'm disqualified. And he said, I have left the faith altogether. Now, that's what happens. And there's two things, Dylan, that I think are important to remember for all of us about this. One is legalism is always a frustrator. Legalism is always something that leads us away from the person of Jesus Christ. And if we leave the person of Jesus Christ, we're just lost. Legalism is not the way to get to heaven. And Josh, with his views on dating, caused so much damage to so many people. He has spent the better part of the last two years apologizing for that, at least to his credit. He has disavowed all of the teaching in that book. He also got very wealthy on that book. Um, But legalism never produces any long-term fruit. The other thing, and this is going to be a little bit um, more controversial, uh, Dylan Calvinism misrepresents the heart of God so badly that producing good fruit is exceptionally difficult for Calvinists. Calvinists, by and large, aren't loving. I've chosen by God. I don't have a choice. Calvinists are usually, I say usually because there are exceptions, not active in sharing their their faith. Calvinists are the group that kind of sits back and waits for God to make them do things instead of simply obeying by faith. And Calvinism produces this kind of fruit. Now we've got a young man who pastored a very large church. He was a part of the Gospel Coalition, I think, and um, sat under a man named C.J. Mahaney, who's had his own problems the last few years. But this is the kind of fruit. So don't judge Jesus by what Josh Harris is doing and pray for him. He's walked away from the faith. The, the one thing that I, um, I, I can um, surmise from the reports about his separation that his wife is continuing to pursue her love for Jesus Christ, and Josh is walking away from his. Tough thing. Was he ever really saved? I don't know. God knows. Evidently right now, Josh doesn't think he was chosen. It's a tough one. Jeremy asked the question, how long does it take you to study for your sermons? Uh, Jeremy, that's a hard question. I'm I'm doing uh, Isaiah now on Wednesday nights. And Isaiah takes a long time. Um, Isaiah takes much longer than any of the other stuff. It's the first time I've taught Isaiah to our church. So I haven't written my own commentary on it yet. I'm in the process of doing it. But Isaiah takes a long time. And frankly, I'm doing three Bible studies a week. I'm finding out that I am under a lot of pressure because I just don't have the time. Uh, and so th- th- that one takes a long time. Normally, however, it doesn't take that long uh, because, as I said, I've written my own commentaries. I know what the Bible says. What I do, uh, Jeremy, when I'm looking at a Bible study is I'll go over my notes. Uh, Paula will read it to me over and over and over again. And then I spend the week just sort of listening for the voice of the Lord to tell me what he wants to do with the study this time. The facts don't change. The historical background doesn't change. But the application always changes because God knows exactly who's going to be there. Yesterday was a good example. I did the same message three times. We had three morning services. I did the same message. And at least the way I heard those messages come out, and I don't go back and listen to them, uh, but it appeared to me that all three sermons, all three services, were way different from one another. Usually they're similar, but but this seemed like they were just way different. Again, the same facts, the same story, but uh, they were just different because because God was speaking to people differently. We had a, a big response to the invitation yesterday. So uh, all of that to say, uh, it doesn't take that long. Uh, I just want to continue to be exposed to the Word. Uh, so I probably have... Um, a couple of hours for each message that I've done. Um, 
not counting just reading it, not counting the time that I'm just walking with Jesus and thinking about it, but just the study itself, I want to dig in, okay, Lord, here's what it says, now what do you want to say? So so not that long, it's just, now Isaiah, since this is the first, uh, it does take uh, take me a lot longer. I'll also say this, Jeremy, when I was starting this process of teaching through the Bible, uh, it took me longer. It took me a lot longer simply because I was tilling the ground for the very first time. But it's always a wonderful, wonderful labor of love because you get um, that time just you and your Bible and Jesus. And um, believe me, he's going to be working on your heart as he works on my heart uh, before I ever deliver a message. So I, I, I don't think that's exactly what you're hoping for, but that's the best I can do. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Here's an anonymous question: What if a Christian couple doesn't want children? Is that okay? And is it okay to use birth control? Um, anonymous, it is okay to use birth control. Um, there's nothing in scriptures that would indicate otherwise. Um, uh, modern science has made these things available to us. Uh, it's okay to plan your children. Um, uh, so so that part is a pretty simple answer. Now, here's the problem. If a Christian couple doesn't want children, here's what I tell people. I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. Um, when I ask people, are you planning on children? Well, we don't know. Or yes, but we're going to wait for a couple of years. Or no, we don't want children. I always ask, have they sought the will of God on this? Children are a blessing from the Lord if you don't want a blessing. I mean, think about that. Why would God bless you with something else if you don't want the blessing that he has for you? I also think, and this is the important point, Anonymous, if a marriage is going to be successful, it's got to be a marriage submitted, husband and wife, to the will of God. And if we're not in the will of God, then there's going to be pain. So it's not okay to have your own mind made up. You need to be like Jesus and say, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. So if you don't want children, it doesn't make you weird or strange. But as a Christian, we have the obligation to say, Lord, what do you want? Let's go to Frederico on line three, calling from San Antonio. Frederico, thanks for calling. You're on the line. Frederico, it's Not Federico. Yes, My sir. pleasure. God bless you, sir. Sir, I've, I've been having issues with uh, lately with uh, uh, the commandment of the Sabbath. We don't honor it. Uh, we invalidate it. We say it's just been nailed on the cross. It's no more longer valid. But yet, uh, the law of the tithe is. And I'm thinking it's kind of a hypocrisy that we disavow a commandment of God. And I understand that times have changed and we can't follow the whole ordinances of the of the Sabbath. But uh, I, I think we should still keep the commandment. And and because uh, because wasn't there a Roman Empire that changed the times around three twenty six? No. <laughs> no. And 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 they started uh, the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, Federico, you're you're listening to Seventh Day Adventist propaganda. Uh, bear with me here and let me explain to you two things. One, um, uh, when you mentioned we we celebrate the tithe or we observe the tithe, but not the Sabbath. Uh, the tithe is an Old Testament law. We're under no obligation to observe it. Um, um, uh, we, we, I, I don't like the word. If I ever have to use it here at Calvary Chapel, I let the church know I hate this word because this is a, a, a word that com, 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 uh, binds uh, the law. Uh, it, 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 it makes us hold on to the law when we've been set free from the law. So tithing is not a New Testament principle. So no, we're not bound to tithe. What we're bound to do is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Everything that we have, everything that we are, belongs to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us what the Sabbath was. It was a 
picture of the rest to come. Hebrews 4 says our Sabbath rest is in Christ. So what happens is the law was a picture of that which would come in perfection and in beauty. The Sabbath rest was fulfilled completely by Jesus, and he then becomes our Sabbath rest. So this isn't just a matter of us deciding whether we want to or we don't want to. Uh, The book of Hebrews, uh, go to chapter 10, it speaks very clearly about no longer being bound to the law because the law has been fulfilled. Again, Hebrews chapter 4, relative to the Sabbath, uh, says that, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In other words, the picture has been fulfilled. The other thing that you brought up about uh, uh, under Constantine uh, in the 4th century, um, it being changed when they went to the Gregorian calendar, that's nonsense. All you have to do is read your New Testament. In the book of Acts, in the epistles, Paul talks about Christians changing the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday, and they did it very specifically, uh, Federico, to honor the day of his resurrection. That's the day that gave us life. Eight is the number of new beginnings. So after the seventh day, here comes the new beginning, and that new beginning was punctuated by an empty tomb, and the first century church, under the leadership of the apostles, the foundation of the church, and the prophets, the foundation of the church, they began celebrating on the first day of the week. So it had nothing to do with Constantine, has nothing to do with some uh, Roman government plot. It is simply um, the day that the first century church changed. Now, very clearly, Paul in his epistles talks about, and in the book of Acts, it talks about going on the Sabbath day to find Jews because Jesus said to go to the Jew first, then the Gentile. And so he went into the synagogue or he'd go to a river if it was a small Jewish community because he would expect to find Jews there. And he went there to tell them the, the, the truth. And he didn't go there to observe the Sabbath. He went there to share the truth of Jesus Christ. And as he shares the truth of Jesus Christ, people were getting saved. Then they would be introduced to the celebration of the value of the first day. So don't get caught in the legalism. Paul talks in his letter to the Colossians, that all days are days to be with Jesus. All days are days for worship. But the day of corporate worship, from the very beginning of the New Testament church, was always Sunday, the first day of the week, in honor of the resurrected Christ. So Federico, thank you for calling. Um, Don't listen to the propaganda. Read your Bible. It's really, really clear. 340-9585. We've got Ray holding on line one. Ray, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Um, This is uh, pretty, pretty simple, maybe, maybe too (laughs) feeble a question, but previously you had mentioned uh, your service on Sunday was full and a lot of people and each message, even though it was the same, uh, uh, format that was different, you know, slanted in a different way. And I had noticed that myself, and I wondered, other than being like uh, Paula attending all three services, was there <laughs> was there any chance of uh, uh, a person that was uh, at one or, you know, decided, well, I wonder what he said in the second service if I went to the first and, or the third service, you know, and just doesn't have the time to access that. Is 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 any of that available, or is it just too uh, uh, redundant, you know, to <laughs> clog up the intra-web net? <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, just I so. wondered, because I, I thought of it many times, but I never had occasion to pose the question. So I'm yeah. going to just listen on the on the radio. Thanks, Ray. It's actually an interesting question. My my producer's sitting here and, and pounding his chest saying, yeah, I have to sit here all three services too. The the idea here, Ray, is is we do three messages and at the end of the day I try to pick the one that we put online. Uh and, and by that it's not the best one or the one that got the best response. What I try to do is is get the one that I think best captures the intent of the passage. 
um, I realize that his word is living and active and and uh, there, there are little tangents the Lord will take me on. Uh, he knows who's here. He knows what they need to hear. Uh, he knows the audience, obviously. And so as the Spirit of God is moving on me, I'm going in a little bit different directions. Paul actually said yesterday's message, uh, I did all three times in different order. Uh, I mean, I'm going verse by verse, so it's not completely different order. But the the applications that we're making uh, we're, we're in different orders. And the only reason we don't save them all is is because of the, the, the space that it takes up uh, on on our our website and um, we just try to pick one. Uh, so uh, the, the only way to do it is before I choose at the end. If you want to, for instance, if you're at first service, you can go watch the live stream of second service. You can stick around and watch second service. But uh, they are removed from our, our um, database uh, once I pick a, a service after third service. So, sorry, Ray, but anybody who'd want to listen to me three times, poor Paula. <laughs> anybody who'd want to listen to me three times, you know, that that's a little bit much. Uh, I never get tired of doing it three times, but part of that is because it's different. But I just try to pick the one to put online that I think captures the best general intent because it's going out for... Uh, more general consumption. Uh, God is being very specific talking to my church family. I had no idea the program was over. Well, uh, boy, time went fast. Thank you for your calls. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, tonight, ladies, Sweet Summer Devotions at 7 o'clock. Lauren Blanton, pray for her. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.